there are secrets out there, guys, performance marketing secrets, and knowing just one or two of them can absolutely light up your funnels. Let's go. This is the Revenue Driven CMO. I'm your host, Chris Mechanic. Join me as I uncover the secrets of the world's most elite CMOs marketing leaders. The Revenue Driven CMO is sponsored by Web Mechanics, the AI-driven performance agency that makes you smarter. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Revenue Driven CMO. I am Chris Mechanic, and I'm really, really excited to be uh, speaking with our guest today. She has built her career leading uh, marketers at some of the most impressive global brands you've ever heard of. I'm talking about Procter & Gamble, L'Oreal, Cirque du Soleil level brands, so um, kind of a big deal. She has been featured in some of the biggest publications that you're uh, reading every week, like Adweek and Bloomberg. Currently, she is CMO of Coveo, uh, which is a very interesting company that I'm uh, excited to learn more about. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Miss Sheila Marine to the show. How are you today, Sheila? I'm really good. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I am super excited to jump in. Um, you have an interesting background in that like it was largely kind of B2C direct to consumer type brands and now you're at a B2B. So I'm like really super duper excited to dig into that. Um, but you know how we like to roll. We like to lead with the value. So why don't you let everybody know like what is one of your best kept secrets to marketing success or like what is your superpower? Yeah, well, um, I have an acronym for it actually okay. uh, that I kind of built over the years and it's PATH. So P-A-T-H. Okay, so P for people, A for agility, adaptability, T for transformation, and H for hyper-organization. So more than organization, hyper-organization. So I'll, I'll dive into each of them if you want. Yeah, um, So people, uh, throughout my career, I've realized that to, to be successful, and it was part of my DNA anyway, but to be successful at work, you need to be people-oriented. You need to surround yourself with people that are honestly smarter than you. I like when I'm not the smartest person around the table, when my team is better than me, makes my life so much easier. Uh, and there's a say uh, that I really like that my CEO is using often and I like it. Uh, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, let's go together as hey, a team. I and like I think that that's so too. true. Like sometimes doing it by yourself, it's much faster. Oh, I know better. I'll do it. Let's do it. But you're not growing your team when you do that. You're not taking the best out of them when you do that. So I learned because I was a, a single contributor sooner in my, like earlier in my career. And then when you shift to a management position, learning to really embrace, motivate, work with people that are passionate, making sure they're happy, it changed your life and it helps you be successful. So I think one of my, um, I would say secret power is how to to make sure that I take the best out of the people I work with and that together we are a strong team because by myself, there's not so much I can do. So that would be the first one uh, in the path. And then A, it's about agility and adaptability. Um, and I think just by what you mentioned at the beginning and my career pro progression and the industry shift I made, um, 
adaptability and agility is not a skill, but a, a way of living almost like a way of life because I had to adapt so much in my career to those, to make those changes, moving from um, the laundry business at Procter & Gamble, where I had Tide and Mr. Clean and Swiffer, and then to beauty industry at L'Oreal, where I spent 12 years uh, talking like to women about how to make you feel good and feel powerful and confident and very yeah. different from the first business. Then yeah, opposite industry. ends of the spectrum, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> food industry with Danone and then entertainment and circus art at Cirque du Soleil. So I had to adapt, learn fast, also um, accept not to know. And that's the, the toughest part, I think, when you move from industry to industry is to be in the uncertainty, in the unknown and feel a bit destabilized. And I, I work, when I worked at Cirque du Soleil, I worked with a neuroscientist. His name was Boloto. And he mm -hmm. was talking to us about uncertainty and how powerful uncertainty can be in creativity. And that human being try to avoid uncertainty because not knowing, not great. Like if you go back like in humanity, if you didn't know there was a predator next to you, you would die. Right. So it's kind of part of our DNA that not knowing uncertainty creates anxiety. But mm -hmm. in fact, if you manage uncertainty well, it can be very powerful to learn new things, to transform, um, to grow as a human being. Um, so I learned throughout the, the years how to embrace this uncertainty, moving into adapt and to be agile, moving between those industries. And like you mentioned, going from B2C, where I was an expert in B2B, and moving to B2B, where honestly, I didn't know anything about and tech and AI. Like, yeah. So it's tough, but you know, it makes you stronger. Uh -huh. I think. Um, and then when you move to another industry and you, at first you adapt and you're agile, then you can transform. And that's the T of my path. So it's transformation. I feel that one of my strengths is that, and I developed that over time. It's not something I had when I was younger in my career, but yeah. now I always challenge myself to review my structure all the time, review my org, review the ways of working. Because if I keep, what I learned is that if by doing what I was doing last year, I'm not gonna grow. To grow and to grow the company, we always have to change and adapt the way we're working and look at what other companies are doing. What are the new trends, the new tools, the new tech that I can use to automate, to augment what we're doing. So transformation is, is something that I'm always looking for. Um, and last but not least is the hyper-organization. So the H of the path, hyper-organization. Um, and that's, a, I have no choice. I'm a CMO. I'm double CMO, so I'm chief marketing officer and chief mom officer. Two uh, sons that are very active. Um, they play hockey, soccer, football. Like every night, I need to finish at five. Honestly, I'm not the type of CMO who works from seven to nine and aren't, is not at home. I'm there mm -hmm. with my kids. I'm at the football field. I do the homework with them. I don't have a nanny. I like I'm with them. My husband is with me. We make a team, but with two kids, we have to, you know, be together and as a team. So organization is key to be able to fit everything in 24 hours, including a bit of sleep when possible. Right. 
So yeah. uh, I think I've managed to uh, to do that, and it's probably prob- out of the path. Like the fourth, probably my biggest strength, and what helped me throughout my career, making sure nothing falls to the crack. That I deliver projects on time, on budget, and that I'm never late or very rarely. So that's really probably what the biggest strength of the four uh, part of that path. Uh-huh. Hey, exclusive for listeners of this podcast, Web Mechanics will do 10 to 20 hours of work for you for free. Literally no sales calls, no BS. Just give them a problem and they will put a team to work for you for free for 10 to 20 hours. Even if you're already a client, if you're struggling with demand gen, lead gen, SEO, SEM, Google ads, LinkedIn ads, conversion optimization. If you can't get Facebook or meta ads to work for the life of you, or you can't figure out attribution, web mechanics will take a good hard look at whatever problem you give them, whatever programs you put in front of them, and they will give you an objective, informed opinion, plus some advice from 10 to 20 hours of senior level attention. So I would suggest take them up on this offer. It's ridiculous. Go to revenue-drivencmo.com slash free fill out the two minute form and you will not regret it literally zero downside unlimited potential for growth so do yourself a favor revenue driven cmo.com slash free no hyphens no punctuations you will be happy about that decision uh-huh. interesting you think so hyper organization you think is the the most important you're saying I, for me yes because it um it gives me the time to, um, when you're hyper-organized, I think you can prepare for everything in advance, take a step back. Like I prepare, if I, if I know I have a meeting in two weeks from now, I'll plan some time to prepare for that meeting, but also to take a step back for my preparation and rethink. And so I'm always prepared for my meetings. I never show up not prepared or very rarely. Um, and that's because of my hyper-organization. So I think it, it helps me also gain confidence throughout my career with my manager. Like I think I was making my manager life easier. Like I was always there one step ahead to make sure they had what they need to go in their meeting. When I was the, the contributor, the single contributor in the team, I was making sure they shine and they have what they needed for their meeting. So, and then it me, like now I'm, I'm making sure that if I, if I'm going into a meeting and I need stuff from my team, like I won't ask them last minute not fair for them. So I will also pre- make sure that I prepare for them to give me the things I need in advance. So that's what wow. I call about hyper-organization is like, it, you need to think like three, four steps a- ahead to be able yeah. to be well-prepared and manage that's that with huge, the family. Actually, yeah. Because um, I'm probably opposite of that. I'm like hyper-unprepared, uh, but it can be stressful, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and every yeah. once in a while, I'm well prepared for a meeting uh-huh. and, you know, those meetings, there's absolutely no stress or anxiety associated because it's like, oh yeah, I already prepped for this yesterday. Yeah. Um, yeah and yeah. And I, it's, it's probably also good to not be prepared sometime. That's when you embrace uncertainty, the first part of my, but I need that certainty sometimes everything I can control, I try to control, but I also control for the unplanned, like I. I plan for the unplannable. So I have time in my calendar even for surprises because every day there's an email or a call that 
comes that I need to answer now because I can be the bottleneck for my team if I don't answer and that's urgent. So I also have time for those unplanned, but yeah. Well, that, uh, that was like a masterclass, I think right there in, uh, being a marketing executive, it was way better than I anticipated. And there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. So I was taking notes and I have, uh, some questions. So for folks that, you know, might just be tuning in, we're talking about Sheila Maureen's path framework, which is people, agility and adaptability, transformation, and hyper-organization. I encourage you to rewind like about uh, 10 minutes and listen to it from the top because it was next level. Um, but the first thing that you were talking about, people, yep. uh, you cited a quote which says it all. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go with your team. Uh, I think that a lot of CMOs and marketers in general fall into the bucket of, you know, formerly wasn't, uh, an individual contributor and now, you know, they may be struggling to a surround themselves with people that are smarter and better than them, but then B to, you know, work through people. And I'm curious it sounds like this didn't come naturally to you from what you were saying, but how did you develop that superpower of people? Like, did you take a class or a course or did you have a mentor? Like, how did you go from kind of individual contributor focus to more of a team focus? Well, I I did have some class. I did have some training. Like I went to the big school of L'Oreal and Procter & Gamble where they train you really well, but I don't think that's where I learned it actually. Um, I'm more of a street learner than a, I'm more street smart than book smart. So I learned through doing and through mistakes. So I think I learned that through mistakes where I was micromanaging my team. Uh, Sometimes I would do things and not delegate to them because I thought it would just be faster and better if I was doing it myself. And then, but you keep, then you realize that nobody, that you're the best in your team and nobody else can deliver what you need to deliver. And then you're drowning in work because yeah. you're you're the bottleneck of everything and that doesn't work so i think that's how i learned by first of all getting feedback from my team that you know you're a control freak a little bit you're don't delegate you could delegate more we would like to we see that you're in a rush or you're and we would like to help but we don't know how so i didn't want to be that person i didn't mm-hmm. want to have me as a boss so i learned with that and then i was I, I got managed as a very young age. So I think at that age also, you're not that confident. You don't let your people make mistakes because it looks bad on you. So you want to, so you want to deliver perfection. So your people is not delivering the way you want them to deliver work. So at one point, I just realized that, okay, I won't make it to a high level in the company if I try to do everything. It's just not going to work. So I need to learn to trust people and it's not just my way or the highway. There's other way to get to even better results. Um, and then you, you also re- build your own team at one point. You recruit people that you really like and that you, you know, when you interview people by yourself, when you hire your people, then you build a team you want to work with and you surround yourself with people that are so smart that why would I do it myself? Like, and and you realize the power of having those smart, like when I come back home sometime, I tell my husband, man, I'm so lucky to have the team I have. They're so great. Like I'm so grateful to be even like working with them. So 
it changed completely when you approach work like that. It makes your life easier. Make it, and it gives you the perspective on some work. If you do everything, you don't have the perspective. But if you ask someone to build a presentation and then they give it to you, then you have the perspective to challenge this, to ask questions and to make it better, which you don't have if you do it by yourself. Mm-hmm. So that's what I realized. And at L'Oreal, they were ch- training manager to say, you should not have the answers, but you should have the questions. You should ask the right question. You don't have to know it all, but ask your team to ask the right questions so that first they form your, their own opinion and then they can ask themselves those questions then after, but they learn, teach them how to fish. Don't fish for them pretty much. And, mm-hmm. and it took me a while. I think you need to have a bit of confidence to do that. You need to have the maturity so it doesn't come easily when you're a young manager, but, um, and I'm not perfect yet. Honestly, there's managing, managing people is probably the hardest thing you're doing in marketing. Like doing marketing is easy. Managing people is difficult. And, uh, and, but I think that's, I learned through mistakes of, of not doing it right and not getting the best out of my team just because I was trying to do it all and it doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think that's probably relevant advice for many. But then skipping forward to the H in your path framework, yep. the hyper organization, it sounds like you're also a very good delegator at this point. I try to. Um, do you have any advice or tips there? Like, how do you, or maybe even tools? Like, so, you know, it pops into your head, hey, I need a presentation. Yeah. Like what happens next? Like how do you communicate your vision of what that presentation ought to be? Yeah. So and I how do you actually go about like, you know, like in advertising, that? I would say like when you work with an agency to build an advertising, they will tell you one thing, garbage in, garbage out. And the brief that you're giving to the agency will probably dictate the quality of the, the advertising you will get. And it's the same thing when you delegate. For me, it's about giving a clear brief on what you need. So I would, if I, I just actually, I did it this morning. I need a presentation for my management meeting next week. So I said, okay, guys, for each of my director of line of business, I need five slides and it needs to be your results of last quarter, your objective for next one, your plan on a page. What are we changing from the past? Like what have we learned from last mistake? And I, uh, next steps, like what are the key action and what are the, what do you need from the rest of the teams that I will be presenting to? So, and then they got, and then give it to me by Thursday night or by Friday night. I don't remember what I give them. And then, so then I have time to review it with them. So I plan that my meeting is next Wednesday. What they're going to give me won't probably be exactly perfect. We'll have questions. So I plan for time in between so that I don't ask them to work on the weekend to make the changes because I don't want them to work on the weekend. So I'm planning like that. So giving them a good brief, giving time for them to rework stuff that I'm not sure of when they're going to give it to me, making sure I understand what I need to deliver because they know what they're going to put there. They know better than me. So sometimes I will say, what do you mean by this? Or how should I talk about this? So. I need time in between what they deliver and the presentation to prepare. So yeah, totally. I plan on that. And sometimes I'll also show them if I need something specific, I will show them what good looks like on a, a framework of a slide saying, I would like it in this format. Or mm-hmm. and then I put a screen 
screenshot in the PowerPoint saying this is kind of what I need. You can adapt or make it better, but if it could fit in this framework, that would be great. So stuff like that. I think everything is in the brief. If they understand what who you're going to be presenting to, what is the goal, what you need, normally I get. We get, and they know me now. Honestly, some people in my team have been working with me for a while now, so they know my style. They can adapt as well to this, but it's uh, it's working well. Right? It's pretty rare that uh, I don't get what I need in time because also I also do a friendly reminder the day of the delivery because I'm hyper organized. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, well, when do you issue the reminder? That's funny. The morning, so the, the morning of. The morning of, okay, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and this is super micro. Forgive me for getting like so, you know, into the detail. But how is that communicated? Is that like a Google Doc that you share the link to, or is that do you use Asana or Monday.com or something? Like I that? use Slack a lot, so I would create a group with my the people that needs to provide information. For example, I would send a, a Google Doc so that they put their slide in. Um, and then friendly reminder, same thing on Slack. We use Slack a lot at Coveo. So yeah. Slack is my favorite place to go. And my people look at their Slack more than email. So I know that if I send an email, they're going to look at it maybe at the end of the day. But Slack, it's like more instant. So uh, we use Slack for that type of things. And then and then I have one-on-ones with all my people during the week. So I will also talk about it during my one-on-one saying, hey, I sent you that. Are you clean? Are you clear on what needs to be done? Do you have question on this? And then sometimes we gonna have question or we either going to put comments in the slide saying, hey, she left, put this. Is that what you need? Is that what you want? So we also communicate through right in the doc, you know. Mm-hmm. So really fluid as a process of how we work, you know. And then also on the hyper-organization piece, like what other tools do you use personally just to organize all the things? Like, is it mostly on your calendar or do you use something outside of Slack to help you organize everything? So it's Outlook. Outlook is my, so my calendar is what I use um, the most. I have my meetings, but I also have prep time for my meetings. I have, so if I'm every weekend, I would say, Sunday night, I prep for my, from two weeks. I'm like rolling two weeks prep or where like, okay, what meetings are coming? What needs to be done? Where do I have time to prep for that? Um, and if, it, if, if, if I see that, oh, I need to prep for that meeting at night, then that means that something's got to give because sometimes at night something will come. A kid will be sick. I will be too tired to work on it. So I'll try not to use my night as an extension of my day. I work every night, but I, I don't plan for it. Like sometimes I just going to look at emails. I'll do stuff that don't need a lot of thinking at night. Mm-hmm. I'm more of a morning person. So Outlook, I don't have an assistant. So I do it myself. Honestly, I, I prefer to do it because I would. she would probably get crazy with my hyper-organization or you would get crazy with my hyper-organization. So I do it myself. I plan my Outlook is full of color and blocks. And when my husband said, he's like, what is this? But it's not all wow. meeting. It's, there's a lot of, yeah, organization and stuff. And I move things around, but it works well. It makes me feel good. When I start the week, I know I have time for everything on my to-do list as a space in my calendar. And my to-do list is on old paper like that. Like I'm old fashioned on this. I was not able to find a to-do list system that works well for me. I'm still on paper. I don't, it works for me. I tried many different tools. Nothing works yet. Yeah. 
No, I, I hear you. I am uh, mostly calendar based as well. And I have, I just have a running notes doc. It's just like a Google doc okay. where it just goes on and on and on, but it's date stamped and time stamped. And basically that's like my catch all. So like if something enters my world that isn't deserving of a calendar event just yet, but like, yeah. I want to see it again. I just throw it on that single notes doc. Well, you're not afraid, but that, what, what is at the bottom get lost? Like, uh, well, that's the thing. So, so when I, uh, when I go to basically do organization, um, I'll scroll down several scrolls, okay. but the stuff at the bottom, it's like three years old at this point. So oh, it's like, okay. it's like largely everything that you haven't done that you wish right. you would have done, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, most of the stuff you actually get gets done, believe it or not. Oh, good. good. And most of the stuff when you so look you're at more it, organized than you're saying, maybe. Probably, yeah. <laughs> the important things, I, I definitely get them done. Um, well, I want to talk about Coveo in a minute. The time is just flying. I'm having so much fun. Uh, and I'm getting inspired like to be a better manager and to be a better you know, delegator. <laughs> I'm not um, perfect, but we're trying. One thing that you said that really jumped out at me that I'm very curious about is how can we make uncertainty into, into power? Like, Because I think universally like you were saying people dislike uncertainty yeah it goes against our monkey our monkey brain yes um how can that be transmuted into power well i can talk to you a bit about Cirque du Soleil and how they use it to create the most powerful shows in the world like some of them are the most powerful sh creative shows in the world well what what that neuroscientist Boloto was saying is that um, to be creative or to transform or to reinvent something, you need to not try to go from A to B. He was saying you have to think about going from A to not A and not try to predetermine what is B and where you're going. Because if you do that, your brain will suddenly organize the information so that you get to B. But what if B was not the right destination? What if it was E or Z or... So embracing the white page syndrome of not knowing and trying to put different ideas on the paper is, is, is sometimes create anxiety a little bit, but it's the best way to truly be creative and truly reinvent and come up with solutions that we may never thought of then yeah. I'll, I'll take another example at l'oreal they were saying there was a say that i'll say in french and then i translate it was faire et défaire pour mieux faire so it was build de or construct deconstruct and reconstruct and the idea was like if you have a good idea of a product scrap it completely try to recreate a new one and then if you're like, no, nah, the first one was better, it's because the first one was better. But sometimes by deconstructing something, or if you have an idea of advertising, okay, that's going to be the concept of advertising. You're so, you're so focused on this. You can have a funnel view that this is the best. But what if you say, no, it's not going to be this? What would be a second best idea? If you go back to the first one, it was the right one. So they often challenge you at L'Oreal when you present something and you're super assertive and you're confident this is the best strategy. Let's say, okay, what if it was not the best strategy? What could be the other one if you were to create a new one? And then you'll be like, well, I don't know. Okay, we could have done this. So then you're like, yeah, 
know it? Good idea. And sometimes you're like, we could have done this, but you know what? The first one is the red. Then go back to the first one. But don't have a funnel view. Like, don't try to go from A to B. Try to go from A to not A. And I think that's an interesting way of doing things. Even in business, you build your plan for next year. That's the plan. That's the path to plan. This is how we're going to get to plus 25% growth. Okay. Mm -hmm. What else we could do? If we were to like start from scratch and and not have this strategy and do something completely different, what could it be? And then suddenly some good ideas came out of this. Um, and and yeah, I, that, I think it's actually, we don't take the time to do that enough. Yeah, that does make sense. And I think, um, I think that can be useful for a lot of people too, especially for people that have been at the same company for a long time or in the same role for a long time. Because you definitely develop a sense of blinders. Yes. You know, like for instance, I consider myself to be a really great consultant. Like, and when it comes to marketing and growth for everybody else's business, but for my own business, I suck. It's like I'm paralyzed. <laughs> it's like I can't even see, you know, the obvious things, you know, and that's, that's why coaches and, and mm -hmm. mentors are so awesome. Yeah. Having an external views on, but sometimes I think we can be, we can force ourselves to be an external views on our own thing by just looking at it and saying, okay, let's scrap it and start from scratch. And it's tough, but it's possible. And with your team, sometimes it's better when you're a group of people looking at, at what you're doing, it's even stronger, more powerful. Yeah. And sometimes, so I'll tell you a quick story um, of how like new blood, like new people can be really useful to bring them into the scene is when we were really small, all we did was SEO. That was our only service. Uh, and clients would ask for other things. They'd be like, Hey, like, you know, we have this new ebook or whatever. Can you make a form on our website? So we would just do it. We would just be like, sure. Yeah, no problem. We'll do the form. Um, but then when we were, you know, doing accounting, we would see that, Hey, those accounts really were not that profitable because we were spending a lot of time on them, et cetera. And we made a new hire who came from a different agency and he was like, Oh, that's just, that's easy. That's a change order. And so we were on the call with a client and he just casually said, uh, sure, absolutely. We can do that. It's not in scope. Is it cool if I send you a quick change order? Mm. And the client was like, sure. And then yeah. boom, they just signed the change order. No problem. And we actually got paid to do the work. And that was wow. like, that was like our second year in business, you know? So we were like, yeah, that's Eureka, clients yeah. will pay for stuff when they ask for extra. It's brilliant. Brilliant, smart, you know, good, good great idea. But yeah, so obvious, I think, right? yeah, that's by it's obvious, but not when you're in it, when you're too close to it sometimes and you don't want to disappoint your customer. And then when you see that, you know what? They're just, they're ready to pay for this. Okay. Yeah, they're not totally. insulted by my ask. They're actually think it's, yeah, of course I'll, we can change the order. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, this has been really awesome. Like way exceeded my expectations and inspired me. What do you me mean? To... My your expectation was low. Well, you know. Well, I mean, you <laughs> you delivered a multifaceted framework. You know, from our when we were doing the prep call, like my notes, um, just said, "Hey, Sheila's superpower is agility to learn any industry." Yeah. So I thought you were going to talk all about just like, hey, learning different industries, but you went from 
you know, people to the agility, which was what you said, part of it, yeah. down to transformation and then hyper organization. So, you know, you delivered, I mean, this could be like a Ted talk almost. Well, I'm not sure, but yeah, uh, but, but I think it's, it's really, I really took the time to think about what did I learn throughout my career? What would I teach my kids? Like if they were going into marketing or in business. So that's how I looked at it. I'm like, okay, yeah, that, I think that's what I would tell them to work on. That's awesome. So um, really quickly before we jump into Coveo, uh, on transformation. Yeah. So that kind of goes along in a way with like making uncertainty powerful and construct, deconstruct, reconstruct. Yeah. Um, but when you are you know, looking out, uh, into the horizon when you're looking at other firms to see like, what's new, what can we do differently? Uh, where are you going for that inspiration? Are you like looking at your competitors mostly? Are you reading fictional books? Like, like where, where are you go? Like, where are yeah. you getting these ideas or, um, seeing the opportunities for transformation? Yeah. I would say, uh, I would have probably have different um, answer to this. The first one is I would go back to the P of bad, my people. Sometimes my people come are the best to come up with ideas of how we should transform. Um, right now, AI, so no, Kobeo, we do AI, but we don't do marketing AI. So, but there's a lot of opportunities to automate, to augment, to improve the way we're working through AI. So my team is coming up with ideas daily on things that we could do differently with technology and how can we improve the way we're working and be smarter. Um, so a lot of things come, I think, bottom up to me. Um, and I love that. Uh, and I'm really open to that. And I often tell them, let's test it. Let's see. Let's meet with them. Like I, I would never really rarely say no. I would more like put it back on their shoulder though and say, go test it. Like try to have a POC or let's talk with their customers. If it's a tech company, let's talk with their customer to see the impact or how could we learn a bit more? So I will often say, yes, if they think it's a good idea, just to push further. Mm -hmm. uh, then it's also, yeah, looking at competition, of course, looking at how they do things, reading uh, uh, their ebook, their information online, how they approach things for sure, but also looking at non-competitor because I don't want to just copy my competitor. I want to look at other industry. And even there's stuff that we've put together at Covio that are inspired by B2C, where I come from. Um, because I, I think we can learn a lot from not just looking at the people close to us, but people that are doing things differently. Yeah. Um, and, and then I, I would say that my, the best ideas I have are often coming when I'm not at work. So mm -hmm. it's when I walk out so when I take my walk in the morning and I'm when you know, meet with my friends and that's when I think at my brain I have some space to think and that's where I have the best idea my walk in the morning I always walk from 6 to 6 30 not always but I'm say four four days out of five yeah and oh my god I come back home and I take notes because uh, there's a lot of ideas coming from that walk of just like being free to think and not having emails and Slack and things coming up, that's where I have the best transformation idea. I'm like, okay. And I'm trying always to have every six months to have three big transformations. What are the three big things I want to change? 
And then, you know, the, and those ideas comes from the three, those three things comes from my walk of like, okay, those are the three things we need to focus on and truly change. Um, and then I look back, did we do it? Maybe not. Sometimes it just doesn't, doesn't make sense. Or it doesn't happen or we need to reshift priorities. But I really try to have an impact on at least three things that we will, that in six months from now, we're not going to work the same way around those three things. Cool, cool. Well, that's that's the perfect seg uh, into Coveo. Uh, I'm actually pretty familiar with Coveo, being okay. a you know owner of a marketing agency. Um, but for folks that may not be familiar, could you give us just like a quick summary? Like, what do you yeah. what do you guys do? What are you all about? So we're uh, we're in AI. So we've started in search, and we're still in search. We've been in search for 18 years, um, and now for the last decade in AI. Um, and we power, um, I would say intelligent, trusted, connect, connected experiences for enterprise. So our, really our ICP, our enterprise, big companies, um, that want to offer the best experience possible for their customer and employees, because we also power workplace experiences through yeah. our AI search recommendation and now generative answering. Of course, we had to jump in that wave of uh, generative answering, Gen AI and GPT. Uh, yeah. And this is going to revolutionize the world of experiences. So we're, we're into this as well. So Coveo is um, AI made for commerce, service, workplace, website. We make all the, uh, ex your experience personalized, trusted. Okay through the AI. So not only we unify all your content and data to understand it, but we also understand the person on the other side of the screen so we can match the right content with the right person knowing their intent thanks to AI. So that's what I would su I would summarize it in two minutes, but it's, it's of course, AI is complex. There's a lot behind this. There's the security that is super important to enterprise. So we have we have a lot to offer for all the companies that want to jump into AI. And honestly, people have no choice to jump into AI. We say at Coveo, it's AI or die. If you don't jump into AI right now, if you don't adopt AI, your competitor will, and you will not survive this. So, uh, And we want to democratize AI and make it available for, to everyone, not only the ones that have like army of data scientists to make it happen. There's options in the market like Coveo where you can use AI to um, amplify, augment your experiences. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. And so so I guess like an e-commerce would be sort of the perfect example. Yes. Like e-commerce, they have 5,000 SKUs, you know, and, and uh, a lot of times the users are navigating their site by just using the search bar at the top of the website. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, and, but with, with that, we can understand a lot with one or two keywords, one or two research, some clicks on your website. Suddenly we understand who we have in front of it, even if they're not authenticated, even if they're like anonymous, quickly you can understand and you can, we call, we call it cold start personalization. So even if you're, we don't know you quickly with the clicks you're making, with the search you're making, we understand that you're shopping for golf stuff and not for like you're typing gloves. But because we know that, oh, you're a golfer, we will propose you golf club instead of just gloves. So we're yeah. going to make your life easier 
your shopping experience better and you will buy more. It's proven. You will buy more. And then the recommendation you may also like will also be adapted to you. And, and, and you will buy more. There's a real impact on conversion rate on, uh, uh, large size, um, dollar spend profit even because some companies, some search, um, uh, companies are just going through uh, using most popular item. But most popular item are often the one on promotion with very low margin. So yeah. you don't want to just promote your most popular item. You want to promote the high margin item. And if it's a golfer and, he's, and he has the budget and he wants the best glove possible, don't just promote your your gloves on promotion. Promote the one that at high margin where you can make money out of it and increase your profit and making your consumer happy. So it's like, it's both. It's the customer experience and the business outcome that the AI can do. We can mm-hmm. maximize both with AI. You don't have to choose and you don't have to put thousands of rules in place behind that you have to manage manually. That's just not humanly possible to manage that many rules but that many consumers that many uh, skews, AI can understand it all very quickly, much better than any human being can do. So e-commerce is a very good example, but self-service or customer service. So we're there at the, at the e-commerce level, but what about when you call because you're not happy or because you have a right. question for the product? So you, yeah. we don't want to send them to the agent. It's pretty expensive for a company to have a call center and have agent and so Can we have a, a site that, People can self-serve, ask questions, get the right answer by themselves. And the new generation, they don't want to talk to any human being. Like talking to an agent is not great. So if you can self-serve and find what you need on a self-service website from a company, all consumers will be very happy. And yeah, it's like only, a bank. Yeah, It's exactly. like you're in your bank. You go to, you know, the, the support. Exactly. And there's just like a thousand links and you're like, yes. oh my God, like, yeah. what do I do here? You know? But now with generative answering, you get the answer. You get, so you write, I don't know, we, one of our customers is Dell. You go on Dell. Hey, my computer is not working anymore. I'm trying to reboot. It doesn't work. Well, you'll get a generative answer giving you tips and advice of how to do it step by step with even the citation of where that, where that answer is coming from. Then you'll get the links below and only if it doesn't work. And if you don't get what you need, then you can call the agent. But most of the time you can solve it by yourself without calling. So yeah. consumers happy, companies happy because it's, they're lowering their cost to serve. Um, and then if you connect it all together, your e-commerce and your self-service, then you know even your customer even better. And you can, you know, you can connect the information, you know what they buy, you know what they return, you can give them better recommendation after you can help them the next time they call, you can understand their full journey with your company and be all connected and not d- disjointed. And yeah. they feel like they're talking no, to powerful, two different brands, yeah. you know? Yeah. And like a logged in environment, yeah. you know, having, yeah. having that record of what they've been doing. I bet you could use that probably for like email too. Exactly. We're not doing it at Korea right now, but yeah, it's something that it's a huge opportunity where you can, actually follow up with them, continue the conversation after. Uh, so definitely there's a, a lot of amazing information you can do when you can connect it all for logged in people, but also for non-logged in people. It's even possible to be 
pretty powerful, even with just a few keywords and information from your consumers. That's awesome. Well, yeah, I'm on the site right now. It looks like you guys are just killing it. I'm curious, uh, what's really driving your revenue engine right now? Like what channels or traffic sources or go-to-market motions are really moving yep. the needle for you guys? So um, before COVID, Coveo was um, driving, their lead generation was coming from live events almost entirely. Then COVID happened. They had, I was not there at the time when they started, but they had to shift everything to digital. No more live events. Where do we get our leads? So they built pretty much from scratch their digital motion. And, and then when I joined, we were keep transforming it, making it better. And now we have the best of both worlds together. We have a, a very powerful, robust, robust digital motion plus live events that are back. Mm-hmm. So that together is the perfect match. Honestly, live events is still a, a very big lead generation for us, like meeting people in person, being able to explain what we do. It's complex and it's not easy to explain on a website, but being able to meet with prospect and customer live in person. And then we, what we do with our events, we really try to have a strong pre-event and a strong post-event. So it's not just the event, but how can we start the conversation earlier? How can we be after an event? If you were not there, can we summarize what we learned at the event? Can we do a webinar about that event that you maybe missed? So we really maximize everything around that event. So we can think of Dreamforce, TSIA, we're at SAP CX Live. Like we go to many events, but then we go it like the, it's much bigger than just the events there's a campaign right 360 degree campaign around the event and that awesome. works really well for us yeah you want to know uh an interesting technique uh for the pre-event so if you're going to an event say you're going to dreamforce right what is it that there's there's something that you're most likely going to google which is agenda right? Dreamforce agenda. And Dreamforce is so popular that there may be other uh, advertisers bidding on that. Mm -hmm. But for like smaller events, like there's going to be almost nobody bidding on that term. So it's going to be cheap. And so um, we previously had, you know, bid on that term for clients and we would send them to a landing page, which was like, you know, come visit our booth. You can get these free tchotchkes, whatever. Um, And that didn't really work all that well. But if you send them to a landing page, which is uh, you basically recreate the agenda page, Mm -hmm. but do it better, you know, like some agenda pages really aren't very good or or easily navigable. But like you could bolt Coveo onto it, for instance, on the landing page to make it. it right like like interactive and you drive traffic to that page you won't get a ton of conversions necessarily i mean you could like try to collect emails but you'll have a beautiful remarketing list yeah right and you can set that list duration to however long you want i think the limit on google is 540 days yeah but that you know could be a really valuable and then you could just start serving remarketing ads also for cheap love it 
Love yeah, it. Let I, me take I, a little note. I came across that lately and I was like, that is slick. Love it. I'll try that for sure. But I am curious. Just one last question is, um, what's up next for you guys? Like, what are the, like you mentioned, you like to every six months do like three big transformations. Yep. Like what, uh, what's what are one? some things on your, on your mind or, or in your back pocket? Well, um, from a product point of view, of course, generative AI is the big thing we're playing right. on right now. So that's huge for Kaveo. Um, it's a lot of effort since is put into this. We already have customer working with us and being live with our product. So this is the key product we're promoting right now. But from a, a way of working on the marketing point of view, what we're investing in right now and what we're transforming to is ABM. So account-based marketing. Mm. I like to describe ABM with the fishing metaphor. I think traditional marketing is like net fishing, where you put a big net there, you, you catch a lot of fish, and then you throw the fish you don't want to, and then you keep a lot of fish, and some are just dead and not good, and some are good. Where, where at ABM, account-based marketing, it's more like spear fishing. So you yeah. identify the fish you want, and you go at them. So we made the list of 500 accounts that we want to win, that we think we can bring a lot of value. And with the self-seam, we're building a clustered customer. So we're not doing one-to-one ABM so much. We're doing cluster ABM, so one-to-few, where mm-hmm. we organize our account by cluster with either similar pain points, similar industry, or similar title in an industry. And then we create a campaign for them. And it's with the self-seam because marketing is engaging with them. And then self-seam, when we see engagement, and we worked with Sixth Sense as a, the tech behind this, telling us, okay, they're engaged right now. They're really engaged. They're searching for things like you. They're getting at a point where they're ready to buy, probably at least engage conversation. Then the sales team come in and they start very personalized email calls, interaction. And we move them to bookings and opportunities and bookings. So this is quite new. We started uh, within nine months ago. Um, and we're keep improving. We keep learning. We keep investing. Uh, that was a marketing initiative at first. Now it's really becoming a go-to-market initiatives with the self scene. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's real transformation of how we do things. Um, my goal is that in the year from now, I hope we're we're gonna be all ABM. Our website will have no form to fill, and that it's gonna be just. Uh, like people come, they get what they need. We see engagement. We talk to them, but they can discover Kaveo without having to fill form every two minutes. Um, so, but that's my, that's a vision. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can talk in a year from now to see wow, if, that's if I was bold. able to execute. It's bold. Yeah. But I think it, like learning from B2C, you know, that's where like you can go on L'Oreal.com and shop for the product, learn about without filling a form, you know? Yeah. And that's what people are like. It's so frustrating when you want to read something and then suddenly they ask you for your email. It's necessary in the B2B industry right now, but can we do things differently? Can we? And I think we can. I bet you can. Yeah, we'll I'm see. confident. <laughs> we'll see. Let's talk in a year from now. <laughs> well, Sheila, this is awesome. Um, I'd like to talk to you sooner than a year from now. Uh, if possible, <laughs> I've got a bunch of ideas for you and Coveo and, yeah. um, and we had to cut this short because I got to get you out of here on time, but we skipped the lightning round too, which is fine. 
But for everybody listening, if you learned something here, if you laughed a little bit, if you were inspired, drop us a five-star review wherever you get your pods. We would really appreciate that. And Sheila, for everybody that wants to learn more about you and or Coveo, uh, where would you direct them? Well, for me, I would say LinkedIn. My LinkedIn profile is I post a lot on LinkedIn. Uh, I, I try to um, give personal view on stuff as well. It's not just professional. You can read some of my posts. And for Coveo, Coveo.com, the best place to go. Still a little bit of form to fill, but good not information. For <laughs> not for long. <laughs> cool, Sheila. Well, this has been really fun and inspiring for me. I really appreciate your time here today. Uh, and I will follow up with you shortly here after the show. Fantastic. Thank right. you. Have Thank a great you. day. Bye. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining us here today. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at revenuedrivencmo.com. That's revenuedrivencmo.com. And hey, exclusive for listeners of this podcast, Web Mechanics will do 10 to 20 hours of work for you for free. Literally no sales calls, no BS. Just give them a problem and they will put a team to work for you for free for 10 to 20 hours. Even if you're already a client, if you're struggling with demand gen, lead gen, SEO, SEM, Google ads, LinkedIn ads, conversion optimization, if you can't get Facebook or meta ads to work for the life of you, or you can't figure out attribution, Web Mechanics will take a good hard look at whatever problem you give them, whatever programs you put in front of them, and they will give you an objective, informed opinion, plus some advice from 10 to 20 hours of senior level attention. And that's just because you're a listener of this podcast. So I would suggest take them up on this offer. It's ridiculous. Go to revenuedrivencmo.com slash free, fill out the two minute form and you will not regret it. Literally zero downside, unlimited potential for growth. So do yourself a favor, revenuedrivencmo.com slash free, no hyphens, no punctuations. You will be happy about that decision.